We now begin the fifth parak of Maseches Baba Basra. This is Parak Hay Mishnah Aleph five one. The parak is called the Mocher Esasfina, one who sells the boat, and really, it is a continuation conception of the previous parak. The previous parak was talking about when one sells uh, a home or a chazer or a city. So what's included in that sale? If it's not explicit in the terms of the sale, what should be included? Um, so that is sort of like things that are attached to the ground, the ground themselves, real assets. Here we're going to talk about, in this whole parak, the fifth parak, what's included in the sale of essentially movable assets. Um, and I just have to say, this parak is, I think, challenging, especially challenging, because the basic um, answer to the question of what's included in the sale is predicated on what the normal connotation of the word is, what should be included in that term or that concept. And that really depends on understanding what went on normally in that time and place. So since we don't speak their language and our words don't even mean necessarily what their words meant and vice versa, it's difficult. It's going to be difficult for us to understand exactly the, the compelling logic by many of the cases here. So I'm sure I'm going to find myself saying again and again, that's how it was back then. We're going to be left um, a little bit scratching our heads perhaps in some cases. In any case, we'll do our best. Uh, and so let's let's do that now. The Mishnah starts out by saying, If one sells his boat, that means again, the person says, Reuben says to Shimon, I'll sell you my boat. Shimon says, great, I'll take it. And they agree on a price. But they don't specify exactly what components of the boat are included in the sale. So what is included, says the Mishnah? So the mast is included. The mast is like that big central pole that comes up from the hull of the boat um, to which like the sails are attached. And they're, it's singular, as all the cases of this part of the Mishnah are singular. But there could be, in theory, two or three or four masts to a big boat. The eshanes, the sails that are attached to the mast that catch the wind to make the wind, the boat go, those are included. The ogin, same goes for the anchor, which prevents the boat from moving when you want to dock and keep it still. Veskol hamanhigin osa, whatever is used um, to control and direct the boat. So things like the rudder, for example, um, are essential for the boat's navigation, therefore they're part of the boat, and therefore they're included with the sail of the boat. However, the crew of the boat, here it means slaves, because obviously you, if it's not a slave, if there were just employees, there would be no havamina, you could sell the employees with the boat. But if they're slaves, they're owned by the boat owner, and they're the crew who would be doing, let's say, the, the sailing of the ship. So they are not included in the sale. Same goes for the cargo bags. These are called the empty bags, in which you put cargo and store things in the chest, whatever it is, inside the hull of the ship. Veloesa antiki, and same goes for the cargo itself, what's inside the bag. So the cargo of the ship, this is a ship which transports wheat across the ocean, even if it's laden with wheat, and a person says, I'll, I'll buy your boat for a million bucks, and they agree in those terms. So the wheat in the hull is not included in the sale. That's not part of the boat. The difference between the first set of things that are included and the second things that aren't included are um, the first are sort of essential for the functioning of the ship, and, the sec- and like the, they, they're part and parcel of no other functions besides that. Whereas the second things, of course, stand alone. The wheat or the, or the slaves could do something else besides sail the ship. But if the terms of the sale are that not just the boat, but also everything inside of the boat is included in the sale, so then, then of course, everything that was listed above, including the slaves and the cargo, are all included in the sale. Period. That's case number one of the Mishnah. Case number two of the Mishnah, it's really almost like a new Mishnah. And in fact, in the Bavli, it is a new Mishnah. It says, Machar esa karon, if one sells a wagon. So think of like the pictures of the old Hasidish people going there and the Hasidish stories, I should say, with the 
the you know the wagon with the cart being pulled by those mules, let's say. So if one sells his wagon, lo macher esa parados, the mules are not included in the sale. This assumes that the mules are not currently attached to the wagon. So it's a standalone wagon, and they agree to sell it, but there are no mules attached to it. If the mules were attached, since they're sort of a part of the wagon, they would be included. On the flip side, if one agrees to sell his mules, so then the wagon doesn't go with it. That would be true even if the wagon were attached to the mules, because mules stand alone, they're separate from wagons. Okay, um... The next case, the Mishnah is macharas atzemed. Atzemed is a yoke, y-o-k-e, and that's a piece of wood essentially, which goes across the neck of, say, two oxen, and that keeps the oxen pulling the plow, whatever it is, together. So if one sells his tzemed, his his yoke, lo macharas bakar, the oxen don't go with it. So now, the Mishnah is going to not done yet, but the Mishnah is talking about a case. Well, you know, let me read the words first. Machar es bakar. On the flip side, if a person sells his oxen, lo machar es hatzemed. So then the yoke that's on their neck doesn't go with it, because again, these two things stand separately. Now, what I was going to say, and let me say it right now, is that uh, in some places, the connotation of yoke tzemed obviously does not include the oxen, and in other places, it obviously does include the oxen. And in both those scenarios, there'll be no machlokas about what's included in the sale. The case of our mission is specifically where we're in a place where most of the time the word semed means a yoke, a piece of wood, which does not include oxen. But some people sometimes refer to a yoke as not just the wood, but also the animals in the piece of wood. So in that case, um, Rabbi Yehuda now is going to argue the Tanakama. Tanakama said, and the Lacha follows Tanakama, that if you agree to sell the yoke, it's just the yoke, because most of the time in this place, people mean yoke means just a piece of wood and not animals with it. Review says, well, listen, if they're fighting over it, you can prove whether there was an intention to purchase the animals as well based on context. Rudomer, Haddamim Modin, the price of the sale will tell you what was intended, of course. Ketzad, like how's that look? For example, Amalo Mokhorli Tzimdcha the matayim zuz. If the purchaser says, please sell me your yoke and I'll pay you 200 zuz. Well, a normal yoke costs like one zuz. So obviously, he didn't mean just buy the wood, but he's buying the, the animals with it. So a davar yadua, then everyone knows, she'ein hatsemed b'masayim zuz. Since everyone knows that the price of of uh, a piece of wood by itself is not 200 zuz, therefore you can see that the sale was not just for the piece of wood, but also the animals with it. But the Chacham say, no, Chacham ain't hadam rai. You can't bring a rai simply from the, the price. And the reason why is because we're in a place where most people refer to a, a yoke as just a piece of wood. Animals aren't included. So Reuven said to Shimon, I'll buy your yoke. And Shimon says, great, I'll sell it to you for 200 zuz. And Reuven says, great, I'll take it. And then Reuven picks up the yoke. He took it. And then after that, there's some contest over, well, should there be animals with it or not? So Shimon will say, listen, whenever I said anything about animals, the, yoke, the word yoke doesn't mean animals. We agreed in the price. He took the yoke. and like, what do you want from me? And the discussion's over. And, uh, and Reuven's saying, no, not at all. Of course, I intended to have the, the, uh, the animals with it. So Rabbi Huda says, well, obviously he did, because the price proves it. The Chum say, no, not necessarily. Because it could be, and it happens sometimes, that a person you know, wants to give somebody a gift. They feel, give, feel badly about giving them a gift in just a straight-out gift kind of way, so they buy something from them in an overpriced way, so they feel they're not, you know, they take off the embarrassment of the gifting. And although that's pretty unusual, since we're talking about a case where 
referring to a tzemed wouldn't normally include animals. <clears throat> the chum say camping awry, what he meant. And therefore, um, game over, you can't force the seller to give his animals because um, there is a separate side question, which is, wait a second. We learned back in above Metziah, there's a rule um, called ona when you overcharge someone, charging them more than a sixth of the fair market price. So then uh, that's called ona, like exploitation. And then and that being the case, so the, the mecher is bottled, the sale is canceled. And that's what could happen over here. No one pays 200 zuz for a piece of wood, and therefore that's called ona. However, that wouldn't apply in this case. And the reason why is because, as counterintuitive as it may seem, is that the rules of ona, the prohibition of overcharging stands, but the requirement, the rabbinical requirement that says the deal is the sale is un, undone because of we're not letting you exploit people, is only when the person's being potentially tricked, and therefore it's a protection for him, whether it's the buyer or the seller, potentially tricked. But if everyone knows full well that this isn't the going price, and then no one's going to this with their eyes shut, they understand with eyes wide open that this is not a going price, and I understand them overpaying egregiously for this thing, like paying 200 zoos for a piece of wood. So then that's not called ona. He, he knew what he's doing, and that's not, it's not an argument to say, I was tricked. No one was tricked. You knew exactly full well this wasn't the going price. So therefore, there's no requirement to cancel the sale. In all events, the halacha follows the chachamim here, which means if you're in a place where it's ambiguous and you say just the piece of wood, that's all you get to buy and keep is the piece of wood.